everyone. We are back here for episode six of Beyond the Whistle. Uh, it's a great day here today. We actually have a substitution to uh, announce to you guys. We're here with our usual guys, Ian and Cortland, but we have Nick from Big Ends Gaming on YouTube joining us today. Nick, thank you for joining us for episode six. Hello, everyone. Good to be here. Good to have you. It's a great day today. You know, Nick, thank you for coming. And we have a lot to talk about. It might be a little bit of a break in the action. You know, NFL draft coming up. That's a big thing everyone's talking about. We did talk about that last time on episode five. But now we're going to talk about NFL free agency. That's big news. We have three players that we want to talk about to start off. It's going to be three former first round picks. First, we're going to go with Jadavion Clowney. Ian, where do you think he ends up? Well, not only first-round picks, Dylan, but three former number one overall players uh, in the draft, which means you're getting some star athletes on the market. Devion Clowney, look, he's not going to get that $100 million deal that he wants or more because he doesn't put up the sack numbers that would want that. You're not paying a guy 20 mil a year to put up three sacks, even though he usually puts up more. I think a great fit would be Cleveland. The Cleveland Browns still somehow have the most cap space in the NFL with over $40 million, and this team has already made massive improvements yet again. They have a new coach. You already got Conklin and Hooper. Um, you already got Miles Garrett if he could stay on the field and he's not you know, trying to kill somebody again. But imagine pairing a guy like Miles Garrett, who's a guaranteed double-digit sack player and a former number one overall pick, with another guy into Devion Clowney. Clowney's numbers were a heck of a lot better when he was in Houston playing next to J.J. Watt, who's a star pass rusher. So you put him next to another dynamic pass rusher in Miles Garrett, and his Cleveland Browns defense could be as explosive, potentially, at least in the front four, front seven, as that offense with its playmakers. Nick, where do you see uh, Jameis Winston ending up? Jameis Clowney, yeah, I, apologies, guys. So many players are going on. Uh, you know, I sort of think that Clowney I, – I think what's going to happen is this is going to be similar to uh, – this is a completely different sport, but I think this is going to be similar to Yasmani Grandal and Mike Moustakis, where a few years ago they had they signed one-year deals during their free agency, and then they had like a prove-it year. And then this offseason they cashed in. They had like four-year extensions with a lot of money. So I think Clowney, it's going to take a little bit, but I think eventually he'll sign maybe a one-year $15 million prove-it deal with the Seahawks. And let's say – he does put up double-digit sacks. Then he'll get the contract he wants with whatever team gives it to him. And that's a good point. Cortland, let's go over to you. Where do you see the pass rusher ending up? I think if uh, Seattle doesn't uh, pay up, which honestly they might because it, their, uh, their defense was great a few years ago, um, and they were really good this year, a late push. Granted, that was a lot uh, to do with Russell Wilson, but uh, the defense did help. I think, like Ian said, I think the Browns are a great option. It's a young team looking for playmakers, and Clowney is definitely a playmaker. You know, a team that I've been thinking about, they've been uh, reporting that the Giants have been talking to them, which place that I don't really see uh, them breaking the bank on defense, although they mm -hmm. do need defensive help more than one position they need, though. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to see them going to the Indianapolis Colts. Ooh. Uh, you know, they just signed Rivers. They've been talking with Clowney throughout the offseason. And I do believe that they're going to get a few, little bit of defensive help. They have some offensive weapons, T.Y. Hilton. Now they have Rivers. Maybe they put a, uh, a big check on that defensive side. So let's go to our next free agent. It's going to be Jameis Winston, a guy who went 30 touchdown, 30 interception season last year. Cortland, where do you see the quarterback ending up this year? Uh, I think uh, a good fit with him, for him will 
uh, on your team, the Jets. Uh, I feel like he's going to be very similar to Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's in the next 10 years, he's going to bounce around from team to team. That's in the lower division that, you know, go four and 12 every year at <laughs> the Jets. Uh, so I think he's just going to be that player. Seven and nine last year. Seven and nine. <laughs> yeah. Playoff, yeah. Second half. We have this new playoff format. Maybe he makes wild card. <laughs> maybe. Eight maybe Dylan. But I maybe. think he's going to be uh, one of those lower down teams who's just looking for a player to uh, get them higher in the draft, let's say. Ian, where do you see Winston ending up? I mean, he could end up in a situation where he's with a young quarterback, but Sam Darnold needs all the time he can to develop. He showed some great stuff over two years with the Jets. He just needs to keep playing. I think Pittsburgh would be an awesome place because there's not a lot of quarterback spots anymore, uh, to be completely honest. Look, Jameis Winston is one of the few players in the NFL that can win a game with his arm. Now, he can also lose you a lot of games, but he's a guy who can make throws. Few guys can there's a reason why he's the number one pick. And last year, he made the most big-time throws in the NFL by a wide margin. He's the only quarterback to throw 30 big-time throws, which is 20 yards down the field. I think Pittsburgh would be a great fit because you sit behind Big Ben, who in my mind is just the veteran, much more refined version of Jameis Winston. They're both big guys. They're both somewhat athletic when uh, Roethlisberger was in his prime, but they don't rely on that, rely on their cannon arms and extending plays and just firing it down the field playing backyard football. So you guarantee Big Ben a starting job for two years, and then maybe you put Jameis Winston in. He threw 30 picks. He might bounce around the league. But Bruce Arians' Tampa Bay offense is one of the hardest offenses to run in the league. Only three times since 2006 has a quarterback had 40 turnover-worthy plays. All three of those seasons were in Bruce Arians' system year one. Carson Palmer, Andrew Luck, and Winston last year. It's an extremely hard offense to play in, and if he finds the right fit, Pittsburgh has been a great offense for decades now. I think that could do wonders for his career, sit behind uh, Big Ben for a few years, and uh, maybe finally see the field right with that new LASIK eye surgery. I don't know. Mike Tomlin, you know, he was up there for coach of the year last year. Yep. He could definitely coach that uh, Winston up to a good player after Big Ben retires in about two to three years, we presume. Nick, where do you see James going? See, Jameis Winston is a really – it's a really he's a re, he's in a really unique situation, right? He just came off, like, one of the craziest seasons, you know, all the interceptions. But you also have to look at the good in him. I think that – I don't think he's going to get a starting job automatically. I don't think he deserves it, but this was a hard one for me to pick because there's so many teams that already have their quarterback spot already like sealed up. So I think if he goes to the Jaguars for a one-year deal, I'm not sure if the Jaguars are really sold on Gardner Minshew. I'm not sure if they're going to draft a quarterback, but I think if they sort of just give him a one-year deal, you know, let him compete, Let's say Gardner Minshew is doing horribly. They're one in five. Why not give him a shot? I like that idea. I'm going to go with Ian's idea of sitting behind a little bit of a veteran quarterback. I'm going to go with the Saints. You know, he's going to mm. stay in division in Buccaneers now, uh, staying in that NFC South division. I do believe that Breeze is on the uh, decline. They have Taysom Hill there, but I don't believe he's a franchise quarterback. He's more, he's like a special player almost. He can play wide receiver, running back. He's used in all different uh, positions, but I don't believe he's a guy who's going to sit back in the pocket and throw the ball for 10, 12 years for the Saints. But I do believe that Winston can. He can learn from Breeze like he learned from Roblesberger in uh, Pittsburgh, Ian. And I think that Breeze is done in 
two, three years max. Yeah. I mean, yeah. last year in playoffs and in the regular season, he made big plays and he's a big play type of guy. But some of his throws were very underthrown. His arm strength is going. I do believe Jameis Winston can go in there and run that offense because that's just how he plays. He, like Ian said, he runs big play, big time throws, and that's just how he goes. Michael Thomas over there, fast offense in New Orleans. I do believe that's a good landing spot for him. And before we go off to our last guy, I just want to say, backing off that, Sean Payton is the best offensive mind in the league. What division are they in? The NFC South. He's played him two times a year for the last five years, which means he knows Jameis Winston better than most coaches in the NFL. I think you bring him with Thomas, you bring him with Sanders, Alvin Kamara. It's a great core right there. Breeze is great. But he, that offense is tailored to his strengths at this point in his career. Remember them six years ago when Drew Brees was chucking the ball everywhere he wanted to? They could have that offense back again with Jameis Winston. For so, yeah. sure. And Teddy Bridgewater, their backup from last year, signed a three-year deal with Carolina. So that backup spot is open. Let's go to our last guy. We're going to stick in the QB position. It's going to be Cam Newton. Been talking about a lot. He got released from the Panthers. Uh, a little bit of a tough breakup from them. He had a few posts on social media about how they gave up on him. And now he's officially a free agent. Cortland, let's start with you. Where do you see Super Cam going? I ah. think for Cam Newton to uh, go to the next step in the league, to be that consistent quarterback, he needs to change his game. Uh, we see him. He runs a lot. He's He always looks to run. And now with his foot injury, I think he's going to have to change where I think he will might do good if he changes his game to more of using his arm, putting the ball downfield in good places, is I think uh, somewhere like the Patriots where there's an experienced coach, there's an opening, somewhere where he can mesh into the system. Um, uh, Pittsburgh is another one of the options that is very good. Uh, you talked about how uh, Jameis Winston might sit behind Big Ben um for a year or two i think cam newton could sit behind big ben for a year even uh because if big ben gets hurt again i personally think he's going to retire if he gets hurt again next season which is likely so i think cam newton sitting behind someone like big ben putting being put in the pittsburgh offense will be very very good for him nick let's go over to you where do you see cam newton ending up i think one team that you really have to look at is the patriots now you have Bill Belichick. There are all these rumors that he wants to prove that he can win a Super Bowl without Tom Brady. Now, I don't think that they will win a Super Bowl with Cam Newton, but I say they take a two-year, $50 million deal with Cam Newton. Whoa. Give him, give him some money. money. Right? They give him the money. Ryan Tannehill money in. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill Nick. money. Nick. <laughs> and then I think – after the first year, depending on what happens, let's say he doesn't improve the team, he's there after they draft a quarterback. Let's say they do horribly with him. You know, maybe they get Trevor Lawrence or another quarterback in the draft, and then he can mentor that quarterback, and then they just let him walk. So I don't think any team is really going to make that big risk for Cam Newton besides a team like the Patriots. It is definitely going to be a big risk. I don't think the Patriots are going to go up to $50 million, but it's an interesting situation. They might sign them. They are very desperate at the quarterback position right now. We'll see where they will go with that. Ian, where do you see Cam Newton going? I mean, I don't know if he will end up with the Chargers, but the Chargers are the only logical fit in my mind. Look, Tyrod Taylor. Right out of my mouth. So, I, hey, look, I, I, I'm sorry about that. But look, 
Tyrod Taylor, good guy, former seventh round pick, former Joe Flacco backup, had a Pro Bowl year with uh, the Bills a few years ago. He's a good mobile quarterback, but there's a reason he's a backup. And I respect that a few days ago on Instagram, there was a video of them working out together, uh, of a photo of them working out together, Newton and Taylor, which Newton is pretty much saying, or Taylor is pretty much saying, look, if he comes in, he's going to make my team better. I want my team to win. I don't know where Cam Newton is going to go, and I don't know how good he's going to be. He had major shoulder surgery. He had major foot surgery. He had a big arm that wasn't accurate. That's going to get a downgrade. He was already on decline as a runner. That's going to get a downgrade. So whatever team gets Cam Newton is not going to get the same player. And as Cortland mentioned, they're going to have to find a an offense that can really just reinvent Cam Newton. And, you know, Dylan, you can keep talking about the Chargers. Tell us a little bit about the weapons he would have with the Chargers and how that would maybe suit his strengths taking his talents to the West Coast. I mean, I like the Chargers. Everyone talks about how deep their roster is and how they're pretty much now a quarterback away from really being a complete team. I mean, they got to compete with the Chiefs and the AFC West is a tough spot uh, with Mahomes over there. But they could very well be an 11-12 win team in the AFC West. I'm going to bring up another team. You took mine, so I'll choose another one. I'm going to choose Miami Dolphins. You know, they've been show, they've been uh, rumored to pick a quarterback in the draft, maybe Tua. Maybe, I've been heard that they are going to um, try to trade up to the Bengals to get uh, Joe Burrow. But yeah. I do believe that they can go the free agency route and pick up Cam Newton and then draft a top defensive or another weapon uh, player from the draft. Um, I think he can do a great job in Miami. You know, I always think of Cam Newton. I think of that 2015 season. They went 15-1. and one. He won MVP. I was so electric that year. He was running around. He was having fun. He was doing the Super Cam celebration. It was just fun to watch. It was like just it was like Mahomes from last year where he was just throwing the ball around, and everyone just, was just fun. It, it was a fun time watching him. And I think that he still has it in him. You know, we see the videos on social media now of him working out and saying that they gave up on me, but I'm going to still – keep working. I think that he can get back to that level for sure. It's just about what team will take the risk on him and how he'll perform because no one knows what level Cam Newton they're getting if they do sign him. We're going to switch over from free agency to the new playoff format that the NFL announced that will be taking place this year. Three wildcard teams will now be in each conference and the first seed, only the first seed will get a bye, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So with this new format, the seven seed will go and play the two seed, the six seed will play the three seed, and the five seed will go and play the four seed. Ian, what are your thoughts on this whole format? I might be the only person who is in total agreement with this. I love this for a lot of different reasons. Uh, look, I get it. The one getting that bye week significantly, like astronomically improves your chances of making and winning the Super Bowl. You know, not every team is the New York Giants of years past that can make a wild card team and make a Super Bowl run. Unfortunately, it's usually going to be a one or two seed. But now there will be no important two seed. Every one of those teams that are so good and so strong at the end of the year will be fighting for that one spot in the conference. I think that eliminates one thing, which is resting players. So week 16 and 17, or in, in the next year, 17 and 18, when we add the game to the season, um, that's going to be big because A, hey, fantasy football players aren't going to get benched in your championship game. And uh, B, it's going to be a lot more fun watching football at the end of the season. And then, Dylan, your Jets or maybe the Steelers from this year who would have made the playoffs in the new format, they don't have to go into tank mode in the final four games of the season. They can be competing for a playoff spot. Now, will they get blown out in the playoffs? Maybe. But getting playoff experience for an improving up-and-coming 500-ish team is still huge. So 
So it's more money for the NFL. It's more games for the NFL and its fans. And there are more playoff teams. And there are still 18 teams not making the playoffs. So it's not like over half the league is still making the playoffs. It's only 14 out of 32. I love this all around. I mean, I do as well. It's a great format. It gains interest for all fans. You know, I'll be here as a Jets fan sitting at, what, 7-7 seven and seven and hoping that our team can just win. So it's 18 games, three three out of the last four, maybe we make playoffs, 10-8. Mm-hmm. and eight. I mean, it'll be great. I, I think it's a great format. Corlin, what are your thoughts on this new uh, proposal and acceptance by the CBA? I like it. I don't love it. I like it as, uh, like Michael Spears uh, said, I believe earlier today or yesterday, it allows teams that are peaking, you know, they fall eight to eight, but the last five games they won. Games that where they started out rough, but then came back in the end of the year because maybe someone came back, they got someone at the trade deadline, something like that. It gives them the opportunity for the teams who are peaking at the right time to enter and maybe make a run. I also like how the uh, only the one seed gets the buy now. You have to get the one seed if you want the buy. It kind of changes how teams look at everything. I mean, it's interesting with the buy. It's like the Ravens had the buy this year, and they lost to the Titans. I mean, the buy can work for you, and it can well, work they, against they you. They lost to Derrick Henry. Okay. I, not Ryan Tannehill. Not Ryan no, Tannehill. They Derek lost Henry. to the Titans. Man, Ryan. Yeah, they lost to the Ross. For sure, the Titans, the Titans were a great wildcard team. They beat up on the one-seed Ravens that maybe the bye hurt them, where they were in a roll, and then they just had to wait around for a week to start practicing. They did get healthy. Maybe that bye week did hurt them. Nick, what are your thoughts? You know, I'm sort of split on this, right? There's some good and some bad, in my opinion. I like the one, the only that only the one-seed gets the bye. I think that teams that are the two seed that are, let's say, 11 and five or 12 and four, like literally last year, there was, I think the Patriots, they were 11 and five and they had a bye. I don't think 11 and five teams should ever have a bye in the playoffs. Some 12 and four teams, maybe, but I think the, like, the number for wins that I think is a team that deserves a bye is 13. And I think teams that are 13 and three should get a buy. Now we had a rare occurrence this year in the NFC, three teams at 13 wins that might come that might happen again, but I like how it's just one specific team who was clearly the best in their conference that gets the buy. Now the bad things about this are, you know, most of the time the two versus seven is going to be a blowout, but eventually sometimes there will be Cinderella teams that's another good thing is that there's going to be more Cinderella chances, better stories, like what Ian said, more incentive to finish the season well. Um, also, it makes the NFL more money having an extra playoff game for each conference. I think that's really – I think that's the main benefit for the NFL. I mean, it's an interesting proposal. You know, 18 games now, the, the uh, league is switching around uh, what they're doing. All the stats will be corrupted. It's now 18 game or 18 game season, which will actually be a 17 game season with the buy, of course, um, for every team. But uh, I mean, I like the proposal. I think it's great. The only thing I'm worried about, like Nick brought up, is the blowouts in the game. Uh, I think a seven two team. Let's say you got the um, the Chiefs. Let's say they somehow get the two seed. Some other team gets the one seed, and they play an AFC South team like the Titans or the Texans, or a team like that, or maybe even the Colts if they get clowny. Um, but, I mean, I just think the blowouts will come, and the money does come to the league. But, I mean, I like it overall. I don't, I don't bash it because sometimes people bash change. I think this is a good change to the NFL, and 
fans will get used to it over time. Let's head over to two other leagues of the four major ones in the USA. It'll be the NBA and the NHL, who are currently on pause. They got about 10 to 11 games uh, left in the season, depending on the team. And now they're on pause, waiting for what's going to happen. There's been some rumors around this week that the NBA will resume in about July, but at a neutral site where they will run playoffs. Ian, do you think that the leagues should continue the regular season? Should they go into playoffs? What, what should the players be doing right now? over this break and how much time do they need before they're back game ready? That's a lot to, to process and it's a uh, really good questions and that don't have too many answers right now. But uh, look, a lot of things that have come up on TV recently with the uh, resuming of playoffs specifically in the NBA is the Chinese basketball league, Chinese basketball. Obviously they were struck with the virus sooner and this was the date. Yesterday was the date to resume the season and they just, pushed that back indefinitely with no start date, which is not a good sign for the NBA. And they, uh, the Chinese Basketball League already had to wait a few more months because the virus struck them early, and then they couldn't restart when they wanted to. So, look, if I were um, the commissioner of the NBA, which I'm not, I would, uh, if I'm Adam Silver, I would cut the regular season because Dylan and I were talking, you were talking about this earlier, but seeds are pretty much locked up in a sense. Eight seed doesn't really matter. One seed, we already know it's Bucks and um, and Lakers probably, you know, Bucks more clinched it than the Lakers. Uh, You know, players just got to stay hopeful. And I think you try to scrap the regular season, the final 18 games of the NBA season, 20 games are not that exciting as it is, unless you're tanking, I don't know. So I think you can kind of scrap that. And J.J. Redick went on TV today from the Pelicans, a very good veteran player. And his team's a fringe playoff team. And he said, as a basketball player, I just want the playoffs. So give the athletes who earned it through the first three-fourths of the season what they deserve, a playoff season. It would be very awkward to just resume it and play meaningless-ish games and maybe have my favorite team, the Orlando Magic, sneak into the playoffs. I don't know. So just go right to the playoffs. You guys can speak more on the situation in the NHL. But for me – I would just try to get it as soon as possible, but also obviously as safe as possible. They're talking about Vegas and Atlantic City as some other te- other cities that can you know, be that one neutral site for games, but there's really not a lot of definite answers right now. I mean, it's interesting with the virus because no one knows when this will go away. It could go away in July. I could wait until December. No one really knows. But the thing is that the league, they need this money. They, they depend on this playoff revenue every year. They need the TV numbers. They need the money coming in. And to be honest, these playoffs are going to happen. They they just can't not hand out a trophy for the uh, Stanley Cup and the NBA final uh, Larry O'Brien trophy. They just can't do that. They can't have a 65 regular season, regular season games and then just not have a playoffs. That would be just blasphemous. It'd be crazy. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't think the seeds really matter in the NBA. You know, everything's locked up and in the NHL, I think the regular season does matter. Because there's a lot of seeds up for grabs, home field, home ice advantage is big, and some teams are on the fringe. Like, for example, in the East right now, the uh, New York Islanders have played, I believe, 68 games, and they have 70 points. Meanwhile, the Blue Jackets have played 69 games and have 71 points. So who gets it? The, the Islanders with a better win percentage in terms of points? Or do the Blue Jackets get it with more points? It's an interesting situation, and I believe that maybe you got to pull some strings to – uh, resolve this solution, maybe a one-game playoff or a best-of-three between those two teams to determine the last seed. That would be pretty cool. You know, the league would get a lot of money from that. The teams would have a fair chance to uh, make playoffs, and both teams' uh, fans would be like, all right, we got to win this game to get in the playoffs. It's almost like a semi-wild card game in the MLB. Um, 
But I think it'd be a good, good idea. Cortland, what are your thoughts on the situation? Uh, I think, uh, I mean, I think of this as the season restarting. So I think there should be not a full regular season left. I think they should play probably about 10, 15 games, maybe even less than that, depending on the team. I mean, Ian talked about how the Bucks has basically clinched, so maybe they only played five. So they kind of weighed it based on teams. Because if two teams are battling, like, they need to know, like, maybe one team was falling, maybe one team was, you know, getting good, winning a few games. So I think they should play at least five or ten games uh, in both NBA and NHL. I mean, there's preseason for a reason. Players, you know, get off for a month. I mean, probably when they come back, it will be a month, maybe even more for some teams where they haven't played. So they need some games. Yeah, like, yeah, you can practice a week and get back in the groove of shooting. But to get into the game mindset, it's going to take a while. I mean, there's preseason in every, basically every professional sport for a reason. I mean, yeah, the start of the NBA season is great, but it's not, I mean, it's interesting. It's not too interesting because, you know, people are just starting to get into form. You start to see rookies get used to the highlights. It's going to be something like that where the players just need to get back into the groove. So I think you need to give a few games to kind of work out those grooves. Yeah, for sure. And these games that they play, the five, ten games that you're talking about, Cortland, would push the season next year back. I mean, let's say let's say the NBA or NHL and you start these regular season uh, restarting games at June 15th. And then you play these games, playoffs start July 1st, right? That pushes both leagues back for the next year, draft, awards, show, everything. That gets pushed away because of these games you have to play. But they they have to play them. I mean, you can't just push these athletes into playoffs game one tomorrow. That's just not going to happen. They've been at home quarantining all uh, all last, what, two, three See, weeks. See, Dylan. Corlin, you have with, something to say? Yeah, with that, I mean, the offseason's really for rest and recovery. But the players have just had a month of rest and recovery. So that's something maybe they don't push the season back just because the players had some time now to kind of relax and kind of refresh themselves. So that's something to think about too. I mean, the season is always in the back of their heads now because they're like, all right, we got to, let's say you're on a top team. Let's say you're like in the Oilers or you're on the Capitals and the playoffs are coming up and you got to gear up because you could have a chance at the Stanley cup in one to two months. You got to make sure you're staying in shape off season. They could take a little bit of a, uh, a chill out uh, situation. They could clear their heads a little bit. Um, but for sure, you know, Nick, what are your thoughts on this whole two leagues restarting? When should they, should they at all? I mean, what do you think? So I think that both leagues should do exactly the same thing. I mean, the NHL and the NBA, they're completely different sports, but the way they're set up, they're really, really similar. Now, I think the worst possible scenario is canceling the season. If the leagues cancel the season, then we're in trouble and the virus is still here through the summer. So I don't really see the season being canceled. I think what should happen is once it's safe somewhere in the summer, like the early of the summer, not at the end of the summer, like in June around, they end the regular season. They have all the teams that would make the playoffs normally make it. So they'd have eight on each conference. But Now, would you go by win percentage or would you go by – uh, points or um, record in the NBA because some teams have played less games than others. I think, I think I would in the NHL. I'm not a huge hockey fan. I think in the NHL, I would go by points because you still have to value overtime losses. 
Um, but I think overall, for the NHL, it should be points, and the NBA should be winning percentage because teams haven't played the same amount of games based on how many games you've played. I think that there's eight teams in each conference, but they shorten the postseason down. I think the first two rounds should be best of fives, and then the conference finals and the finals stay at best of seven just to give the players more time to relax after the playoffs because it's already going to be shortened. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was watching one of the uh, Ian. I'll, I'll get to you after this, but I was watching one of these uh, one of these Zoom meetings with uh, a few of the players in the Pacific Division from the NHL. Uh, Ryan Getzlaff from the Anaheim Ducks, and um, he was saying how they can't have anything less than a best of five. A best of five gets the best team out of there because you still got to win three out of the five games. But anything less than that would be crazy. A best of three or a one game playoff would just be insane. I liked your idea though with the first two rounds, but you got to keep the conference in the finals, best of seven, Ian. Yeah. Well, actually, looking at the NBA standings right now for the NBA, it would be a much smoother transition to go straight to the playoffs because there aren't a lot of teams that can really make a move up into the top eight right now that aren't already there. As I mentioned earlier, the Bucks have a six-and-a-half game lead over the Raptors for the two-seed, which means they've pretty much clinched it. And then you look at the bottom, and the Magic have a five-and-a-half game lead over the next closest team in the Wizards. So that's already pretty much set. You know, unless you make a great run, if you're the Wizards, if the Cavs or the Bulls, you're not making it to the playoffs. Then you got the other conference in the West. You got the Lakers, who have a five and a half game lead over the Clippers and a much better winning percentage, nearly 10 points higher. And then you got the Grizzlies have a three and a half point lead over the Trailblazers. So what I'm saying there is it wouldn't really be unfair to the players to end the season right there because if you didn't make the playoffs and you didn't make that extra push through the first three-fourths of the season that extra random one-fourth in the season months down the line isn't really worth it and again i'm going to go back to the reddick thing jj reddick's team is not even in the playoffs right now in the new Orleans pelicans and he still wants to see the playoffs so i think this is more a thing that could also galvanize the country together in a sense because imagine if we come back for sports and it's just regular season games it's sure it's awesome to see sports back, but if we hop right back into a playoff atmosphere, that would be awesome, at least for the NBA standard. NHL might be a bit of a trickier situation, and they might have to get creative to figure out how they want to uh, advance with their season. But NBA-wise, hopping right into the playoffs would be awesome for everyone involved, and at this point, it makes the most sense. And the NBA is a little bit different for sure because you have that one eight matchup between OB, it would be the Bucks and the Magic. And yeah. you know what happened last year with the Raptors and the Magic? They did win one game, Orlando did, but uh, I mean, they, they wouldn't win the best of five against yeah, the exactly. That would be a 3 0 sweep. But uh, I mean, it would be interesting, you know, that four or five matchup, best of five, that'd be pretty cool. Maybe get a few uh, game five elimination games uh, between both. We're going to head over to that last league that we haven't spoken about yet. It's going to be MLB. And, you know, the league's a little bit on a pause right now. We hope that it'll be back this year. A lot of things have been discussed from neutral sites to when this league will end up starting, if it will at all. You know, players are trying to stay in shape. But it's tough because in baseball, you can't really practice by yourself. You have to have a throwing partner at least to play catch. It's tough. But we're going to say that, let's say the league does start and they have a shortened season of some sort, or maybe they have a doubleheader uh, situation they've been talking about. Uh, on weekends or something like this that the players uh, requested when they had a meeting with the commissioner, Rob Manfred. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of an award show. We picked the Cy Young and the MVP. Everyone uh, in this chat picked a player for both AL and NL for both awards. Let's start off with you, Ian, with the MVP in the American League. The MVP. 
uh, in the American League, I am going to go with uh, Rendon, Tony Rendon. Uh, look, he's great, uh, nearly uh, 320 uh, batting average, and his on-base percentage is over 400, over uh, 410. So, look, I mean, just going based purely off stats, uh, I'm going to go with him because, you know, MVP, when it all comes down to it in every sports league, it's usually a stats thing. And they try to chuck in storylines of, oh, there's this, oh, there's that, to try to sway it and make it more of a competitive race and more of an, a fun award show in a sense. But in the end, I think statistics are uh, the biggest leading factor. And you look at his most recent stats, and they're pretty pretty good. <laughs> And Rendon, he just signed a big year, uh, seven-year deal with the Angels. He just won the World Series of the Nationals. Hopefully, he can torment the Astros in the AL West a little bit more this season. Corlin, AL MVP, who you got? It's kind of obvious at this point, Mike Trout. I, I mean, you don't really have to say much. He's won it, I think, three times or something like that. So He's it, always in the top two. He's always in the top two. He's Ever since he came in the league, he's been explosive, you know, hitting the ball everywhere, covering center field like a gazelle. Um, so I think he's just going to repeat once again. There's not not much you really have to argue for him. And Nick, I believe that you have the same pick. Yeah, I mean, you have to – Mike Trout is really the safe choice. If you look back at the candidates from last year, it was Trout, uh, it was Bregman, and it was Marcus Semien from Oakland, I think, got the – Got the third. It is. Yeah. Spot. Damian was the third. Yeah. Hey, and so Mike tried to looking, Yeah. I'll get there. So if you look <laughs> at the candidates, Mike Trout's Mike Trout. Alex Bregman, most people think he's going to do worse because obviously he was on the Astros and they cheated. So I'd be surprised if he had that same year or better. And if you're looking at a guy like Marcus Semyon, he could get better. But do you really think? that these baseball writers and people who are voting for the MVP are going to vote Marcus Semi in the MVP instead of Mike Trout or maybe someone who has a breakout year. Maybe I'm just saying this because I'm a Yankees fan. Maybe Aaron Judge stays healthy, hits 55 home runs or with like a 300 batting average, it's definitely not going to happen. But let's say something like that happens and maybe they could get it over Trout. I think, I think, I think Trout has the AL MVP on lock for the foreseeable future. You know, I went a little bit off the board. I didn't go with Trout, and I didn't go with another Angel in Rendon that Ian did. I went with Glaber Torres. You know, he had a breakout year last year, 38 home runs. He had .284. He is on my Yankees, but, I mean, he is so good. He is in that three spot now for the uh, Bronx Bombers. And he had 38 home runs last year. This guy's a monster. He's only 23 years old. He can only get better. And he had a big postseason last year as well. I believe he continues into this season. He's not injury prone at all. He played 150 plus games last year for the Yankees. And I believe that he can really break out for this team, especially if they have the injury issues that they did last year. Let's head over to the National League in the MVP voting. Corlin. Uh, again, obvious Acuna. He was one of the most electric players to watch on the Atlanta Braves last year. He is honestly, I would say, the future of baseball. He'll be the face of the NL if he stays in Atlanta, which I think he will for years. I think he's going to turn into the Mike Trout of the uh, NL, just someone explosive, fun to watch, even if you know the Braves aren't the best, uh, if they turn around and start heading down their old path. But I think he's going to be someone that is good every single year. Uh, just like Mike Trout is, and I think, you know, you can't really vote against them. I mean, I believe, uh, like, Juan Soto was in the talks for it. Like, 
yeah, he's exciting. He did great in the playoffs, but Acuna was pretty much, in my opinion, the best player in the NL. So, Nick, let's head over to you, NL MVP. So I'm agreeing with Cortland again. Uh, I, I like Acuna. We do. Uh, I, 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 I like Acuna this year. You know, it's his third year, I believe, but he's just really young. He can't really get worse. He's really good at, at pretty much everything. I mean, he improved his fielding this year. He has a really good arm. He can hit against righties and lefties. He is a good average. He has good power. You know, I feel like this year he can definitely break out from a top 15 player to a top five player. And also the, the Braves, they lost Josh Donaldson. They, they got better, but they did lose Josh Donaldson. I think maybe they can sort of put all the weight on Acuna. And I think Acuna can really break out. I mean, he's, like I said earlier, he's really young and guys like that can only get better. And maybe I, I think Yelich definitely is up there too. And Bellinger, but I don't think, Bellinger and Yelich are going to be better than they were last year. And I think if Acuna can just raise his game, I think he can win it. Ian, let's head over to you. You wanted to stay in the NL East. I do. And Cortland, give Childish Bambino, give, uh, give Juan Soto a chance here. Uh, you know, look, he's really young, but he's already at a historic rate. I mean, just the fourth player in, in league history to record 100 uh, extra base hits before his 21st birthday. And I know this might be a year too early for him, but as you mentioned, he got hot in the playoffs for a team that won it all, which really speaks to, again, we were talking about peaking at the right time earlier. Uh, he's playing his best ball in the playoffs. You know, is he going to put up that same stat line over the course of the full season? Is he going to hit over 300? Those are big questions, but he is at a superstar trajectory right now. And he's on a great team with obviously him being the exciting guy. So there are a lot more established guys who have been in the league for much longer than two years kind of guys, but he was already on the second team last year. And he's got the potential. And you talk about sports in general, a lot of more younger MVPs are coming through the line. You see Pat Mahomes' first year win an MVP as a starter. You see Giannis in the NBA in, uh, you know, went from irrelevant to in his second year is really a star star. He wins the MVP for the Bucs. So what will happen here? Can Soto become the next bright sports star to make an MVP run uh, maybe before his prime. He already looks in, in prime four at the age of 21 right now. And I don't know if he should be the favorite in any means, but I think he should be getting a lot more um, of a legitimate chance because he's got the talent to get there. For sure. Soto was sick in that World Series. I mean, he was hitting bombs off Verlander. He was just making great plays. And everyone remembers him for that wild card double that went past Grisham on the Brewers. I mean, that was such an electric moment in that wild card game last year. I'm going to stick... Uh, I'm actually going to go away from the NL East. I'm going to go with Christian Yelich. You brought him up a little bit before, Nick. Nick. Um, but Christian Yelich, I mean, he's so good. He's such a complete player for that Brewers team. Yes, the team isn't as good as some other teams like the Braves or the Nationals or the Cardinals. But I think Yelich is just, he's such a complete player. He had, th- he had uh, .329 last year batting average. And he got on base 43% of the time. 43% of the time he is on first base or better every at-bat. I mean, you can't get this guy out. He's a lefty specialist. The Brewers, yeah, not a good team. Maybe pitchers are going to pitch around him because there's not much power around him in that order anymore since Moustakis left. And uh, I think Thames left as well. But I think Yelich, he's just so good. He plays defensively amazing in right field. And he plays a little bit of left as well for Milwaukee. 
but I do believe Christian Yelich is going to be a complete player, maybe even pushes that Brewers team to a playoff spot. Let's head over to the pitching side of the game, Ian, away from the batter side. We're going to go with the AL Cy Young. Nick, start us off. Um, so for the AL Cy Young, all right, this is definitely an interesting one. I, I might get a few biased comments because I am a Yankees fan, but I truly think that Garrett Cole is going to finally win the Cy Young. Now, Corlin, I see you. Uh, I think that he got paid. A lot of people get paid and they don't do as well. But I think with a guy like Garrett Cole, he grew up as a Yankees fan. He still has that sign. We all know. But I think he's really, really, really excited to pitch for the Yankees. And I think that he's more excited than ever. And coming off a year where he had obviously his best year, he was one of the best pitchers in the league. He led the league in strikeouts. He had a 2.50 ERA. He came in second last year in the Scion to his teammate, Justin Verlander. I think Verlander regressed a little, and I think Garrett Cole takes it with the Yankees winning division as well. I think that's the number one headline going into the playoffs is how can Cole and the Yankees finally get over the hump and win the World Series? I mean, he's a great pitcher. I mean, he went 19-0 and in his last 19 starts last year, yeah, uh, including playoffs. Portland, let's see you at your pick for the AL Cy Young. I think uh, Barros, Jose Barros off the Twins is going to make a jump this year. I mean, last year he was 14-8 with a 3.6 ERA just about. Um, I really think that he's going to make a jump. Um, we see so many pitchers, elite pitchers this year like Sale, um, uh, different guys around the league getting Tommy John just because of the push season, stuff like that. But I think – with this time, he's going to refresh. He's going to pitch very well. I think the Twins are going to be a little bit better this year, maybe make a playoff push. And I think uh, Barros is going to lead that way. He's going to drop that ERA, jack up the win rate, and I think he has a chance to win it. Ian, let's go over to you. I could see a bounce back, sne- a bounce back season from, uh, from Blake Snell. He was awesome in 2018, and then last year, obviously, just a 6-8 and eight record and 23 starts. And uh, you had the elbow surgery that ended his season. But that shouldn't take away from what he did in 2018. I mean, he was the best uh, major league pitcher in my mind by far. You know, you know the uh, lo- the lowest percentage or the best percentage of non-contact um, and the most balls pulled against him. You know, and then you also have him winning pretty much every major award in 2018. Uh, you know, he's an all-star, Cy Young, uh, AL wins leader, and the AL ERA leader. So, look, people might have forgotten a little bit about him because of how his season ended last year. But uh, you're talking about guys around Tommy John Heaton. He did not, uh, you know, recently. And uh, it was more of a minor injury that had him off on and off the DL at the end of the year. So he should theoretically be 100% ready to go this time around. And uh, people should not forget about what he pulled together in 2018. And Blake Sinelli went on uh, Instagram Live the other day with uh, Richard Jefferson on, on SportsCenter. He yeah. said that his, his um, most feared hitter to face is Aaron Judge and Mookie Betts this year. Cortland, he does not have to face Mookie Betts. <laughs> Unless if they make the World Series. Thanks for running there the Salt the Maybe Thanks for running the Salt in the wind, Dylan. Rolling the cart for the award for him. Just make it a little easier for him. And, and <laughs> well, my, my AL Cy Young uh, winner for 2020 is going to be Lucas Giolito off of the White Sox. You know, he had such a hot start in 2019. He was pitching lights out for the South Side team. And he had a few big starts against the Cubs, too. You know, that's a big rivalry. It's like Yankees-Mets, but it's White Sox-Cubs over there in Illinois. 
And I believe that he can do it over a full season. The White Sox are greatly improved. They have so many prospects. Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert is supposed to come up uh, soon this season. And I think they have so many good pieces. Yohan Moncada, their bullpen's a little bit tough, but I think Giolito can just take that role and run with it throughout the whole season. And I think that he can push the White Sox almost to a wild card spot. Speaking of wild card, we all did our division picks for this year. Let's start with the AL East. Portland, who do you have? And I think I know your answer. Uh, to win the division, I mean, Yankees are good, Dylan. Got to give you that. Boston's going to be good. I mean, we lost Mookie Betts. We, David Price, you know, don't care about him. He flopped in the playoffs and then the end of the season anyways. But, we did uh, win we the also, World Series. Yeah. But um, I really think uh, Ben and Tenney just got re-signed. JBJ is still out there. J.D. Martinez is there. Xander Bogart, one of the best all-around shortstops in the league, is still there. Um, Evaldi's coming back after his uh, arm surgery last year. He's looking hot coming out of spring training. I think Boston's going to overtake New York. I think uh, Severino is also getting Tommy John for the uh, Yankees. So it, it's kind of like Severino and Sale have gone down to the big pitchers from them last year. I think the Yankees are going to be riddled with injuries. Uh, Aaron Judge, Stanton, I feel like they're going to get more injuries. Uh, we talked about last week or two weeks ago how Judge has you know two broken ribs, uh, uh, <laughs> impaled lung, and all these Diagram. things. I don't think every, he's going to Every bone is hurt. Every bone is hurt. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the Yankees – I think the Yankees are going to have an off year like the Red Sox did last year where, I mean, they were good for some of the games, and then other of the games you're just asking, what are they doing? So I think Boston will pull it out. I think it'll be a tough matchup with the Yankees and the Rays, though. Ian, let's go over to you. AL East. AL East, hey, I still got the Yankees. Look, Aaron Judge, injuries are big, obviously, but the team is deeper and, in my mind, better. And as you and as we've talked about numerous times, Dylan, they've been robbed of potential championship appearances. So why should that slow them down this year? Hey, Aaron Jones can – I mean, Aaron Jones. Yes, Aaron, Aaron Judge. So close. My point is – Hey, this break maybe gives him a little time to rest up those bones, Dylan. So, uh, you know, that's very good for him. And when your star player is closer to healthy as possible with a loaded roster around him, you know, I think it's a surefire bet. One thing, Ian, on that, Didi Gurrius left for the Phillies, one of the better players who was the most consistent (laughs) over the season, you know, held down that uh, infield at shortstop. I think, you know, you say that, it's packed, but I don't think so. Didi Gregorius was one of the major role players last year, and you need role players to stand out to uh, make a playoff push. All I know is this. In the words of a great Dylan Pescator, who cares? Dylan did not really <laughs> care too much about Didi leaving. He is a diehard Yankees fan, and I'm going to stick Didi wasn't my guy for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. came back from Tommy John. It's a tough situation. He had a very bad second half when he did come back playoff. Showed up in that one game against uh, the Twins in game two. He had a grand slam. Everything else seemed like he was swinging out of his shoes for balls in the dirt. We're not going to get into him because I could go on for about 20 minutes about D.D. Warriors. <laughs> Thankfully, he's over there in uh, Philadelphia. Hopefully, he'll uh, torture the Mets over there. Uh, Nick, who do you have in the AL East? You know, I, I don't understand why anyone would pick anyone besides the Yankees. I mean, last year they won, what, 103 games, I think, with yep. probably the Close. most – with the most injuries that we've seen from a team for a while, I think I think Corlin's forgetting that in the infield, you know, the Yankees didn't have Miguel Andujar last year. I think replacing Didi Gregorius with Miguel Andujar 
I think that's definitely an upgrade. So De- Gregorius was sh- as short. LeMahieu was playing first. Torres was playing second. Voigt was the DH for some time. And then at third, it was Urshela. You put you put Urshela at third. You put LeMahieu at second. Torres at short. Voigt at first. And then you have Andrew Hart at, at DH. I think that's an upgrade. And I don't think that you can have more injuries than you can last year. The Yankees will still definitely have injuries, but there's no chance they'll have more than they, than they did last year. You know, we've already seen some, but let's say it's a little better this year. I mean, they added Garrett Cole. I don't understand why anyone wouldn't pick the Yankees. Uh, I mean, there's some like Corlin. I, I understand you're a Red Sox fan, so you want to believe in no, your team. No bias whatsoever. Yeah, I just uh, I just don't see it going any other way than the Yankees. Guys, I, I agree with you. I'm going with the Yankees as well. But I'm going to give you two names. I'm going to give you Luke Voigt, and I'm going to give you Garrett Cole. And I'm going to give you John Carlos Stanton. Now, let's bring up three names, actually. He played 18 games last year, riddled with injury. Guy couldn't stay on the field. Every time he came back, he got hurt with something else. The slide to third base, he gets hurt with his leg, a PCL. He's going to come back. He played 150 games in uh, 2018. And he had a great year, 38 home runs, carried the Yankees through that long season in the summer. I believe he comes back. He's officially 100% healthy. Coach Aaron Boone uh, said that he would be ready to go if the season started now. Luke Voigt, a player that didn't play in playoffs for September because he had a core injury. And then we had to see that that guy, Edwin Encarnacion, strike out on a high fastball about 14 times per <laughs> game in the playoffs. Angered me throughout October, trust me. Thankfully, we now have Luke Voigt back. And then Garrett Cole. Guy's a monster. I don't even need to uh, explain on him. Let's go over to the AL Central. Cortland, who do you have over there? The Central, Cleveland Indians. Uh, pretty simple. They have been good for the last five or so years. They were in the uh, World Series a few years ago with the Cubs. Uh, I really think they're just going to continue their success. Um, there's nothing really much to say about there. They were good last year. Um, not great, but good. And uh, for the last, you know, five or so years, they've just been, um, you know, a good team in the AL Central. They uh, just kind of simple. Not much to argue about it. And the Indians, they have a lot of depth at starting starting pitching. You know, Lindor's on a tough yep. deal. You know, there's one more year to go. They're going to see if they can trade him. Maybe we'll see what goes on there. But Shane Bieber is great over there. Mike Clevenger is really good. They got rid of Kluber, but he was a little bit on the decline anyway. He went over to Texas. Nick, who do you have in the Central? You know, I'm going to go with a bit of a sleeper, and I like the White Sox in the Central. Now, all right, the White Sox, they haven't been good in quite some time, but I really, I think this team resembles the 2018 Atlanta Braves. That was a team that won the division with, I think, like 90-ish games. We expected that one year later. I think that this is the same situation you know, they're really young with some veterans on their team. They had a really big free agency. They have good enough pitching, really, to succeed, and their hitting is really good. And they have young players like the Braves did in that run. They have Luis Robert, who's going to come up. They also have Eloy Jimenez, and they also have more prospects on the way. So I, I really like the White Sox in that division. Ian, I think you're in agreement. I am in agreement, and uh, Robert, if I'm not mistaken, has never played in the majors, right? And they still gave him a six-year, never played six-year, fifty million dollars. That's a big commitment for a guy who has never made the leap. But obviously, there's a lot to go with there. And as Nick said, look, is this a team that is maybe uh, a year too early to win the division? 
maybe. But they have a couple of good veterans, too. And, you know, they have uh, Dallas Kuchel, who's a little old now, Edwin Encarnacion. I know Keuchel. he's on the blast. Dallas Keuchel, Ian. Dallas <laughs> Keuchel. I'm sorry, Mr. Baseball, Varsity Baseball. That's my bad. Look. Hey, no uh, season right now, Ian. You, you took mm, – nah. At least you got the right sport this time. I was, I, I was, I was waiting to see you <laughs> hit those homers all year, Cortland. But I guess uh, – <laughs> I guess Actually, we race hits right here. Singles, doubles, right here. All right, I, I'm not. Don't be a power guy over there. We're not. You're gonna, like a and Moncada. You're not a guy who's gonna put the ball at the ballpark. <laughs> Look, it's a I solid put the ball team. in play. The solid White Sox team, as Nick mentioned, maybe a year too early. A lot of guys are coming up the ranks. Robert, one of the first decent free agency, a couple decent veterans. It has all the makings of a team that could gel very well together. But they're missing this period of, uh, you know, this could have been the time when the season started for this team to come together. Now you have the season become delayed. And with teams like this that don't have many refs with each other, you really need that time to gel. So uh, they don't get that right now. And that could stunt the growth of this team maybe a year. But I think they have the talent to save at least to win the division. I'm going to go away from you guys' picks. I'm going with Minnesota. I mean, they won the division last year. They gave uh, the Yankees not really much of a run in the three-game set that they played, not that they any, anyways uh, ever give the Yankees a run in the playoffs. Uh, but Minnesota, they had a great year last year. They had upwards of 100 wins. They have uh, Mitch Garver, a catcher. I mean, he's so good. He's so underrated. He gets on base 36% of the time. You have Nelson Cruz. I mean, the guy, it, it seems like he has 40 bombs every year. Uh, you have so many weapons. Eddie Rosario, they called him the Bomba Squad last year just because of how many bombs this team hit. They had the most home runs in the league, and I believe that their pitching will get better. You, um, Cortland brings up Jose Barrios. They have Jake Odorizzi, who's a top-line starter, but they're going to need a little bit more in that uh, starting rotation. I still think that they win that uh, middle-of-the-pack AL Central. Let's say around 102, 103 wins and make the playoffs as a division winner. Let's head over to the AL West now, and let's go with Ian to start. Good to me to start. All right. I like it. Uh, the AL West. Look, Dylan, do not come out of the Zoom meeting and destroy me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, cheating or not, Houston's still got a pretty solid team. And, you know, will those numbers be as good as we hope? Look, they only did it in the playoffs for the most part. So, look, you got Altuve, who before and after, great player. Uh, Bregman, Verlander, Correa. Look, it's a great team. And, as, uh, and they're going to want to rebound after the um, embarrassment of – uh, of last year and over the past few years, maybe this uh, you know the suspension of the season kind of sweeps a little bit. It helps the Houston Astros. We're not talking about them much anymore because we're talking about the coronavirus and when we'll get all the sports back. But uh, Houston is going is going to be hungry to prove this is still a top contending team without the extracurriculars. So give me Houston, Corlin. Uh- Houston cheater, I feel buzzer under my shirt. The buzzer says <laughs> Oakland's going to win. Uh-huh. Oakland, last year, below the cheating Astros, still got 97 wins, came second in the uh, AL West, uh, 97-65 with a 600-win rate. They had uh, Chris Davis, who you know mashes the ball everywhere. Uh, I think you know now that the cheating scandal's out of the way, Houston won't be cheating, hopefully, anymore. And I think... Uh, Oakland, you know, they've always been that decent wild card team. I think they make the push and win their division and make a push in the playoffs. And it's so hard to play over there in Oakland. It's so oh, yeah. just tough. I mean, they have huge foul areas. They have the drums beating in the in the stands. <laughs> Thankfully, this bang bang is not for the pitches. It's just for the fans. Uh, Nick, let's go over to you for your team, the AOL. Yet again, Cortland and I agree. I like the athletics. Now, the athletics for the past two years – 
no one has really given them a shot. You know, in 2018, they had a really good year. No one saw it coming. I I honestly think just from discussions, I was one of the few people that saw them having the same year. I didn't really know many people who predicted them to make the playoffs last year in 2019. I mean, I, I did, and they did. So I think people are going to finally stop counting out the athletics. You know, they're one of those teams that doesn't have a definitive superstar. Now, you could make an argue for Matt Chapman, but I don't think he's that, that good enough of a hitter to be like a superstar. He's obviously still a really, really talented player. But they're just one of those teams that, you know, doesn't get as much attention. And I think that now that the Astros have a scandal, I think they fall off a lot. And I think the Athletics take it with ease. I'm going to pick another team that you guys haven't picked. seems like I'm going off the board for all of them. But I'm going to go with the Angels. You know, yes, pitching has been uh, questioned. I don't think I can name three starting pitches, pitchers on the team, nor in the bullpen. Uh, other than Hansel Robles, Shohei Otani, and uh, Andrew Heaney. But uh, I, their lineup is so stacked. I mean, you look top to bottom, Simmons, Trout, Rendon, Pujols is still there. He's still a very good hitter. Everyone's scared of pitching Albert Pujols. Otani's going to be hitting, what, four out of the seven days of the week. He's so good. Their lineup is so stacked. You can't get away from uh, pitching this lineup. David Fletcher's over there as well. He's a breakout star for the Angels. I believe that they'll have enough. And they'll just hit their way all the way to the division. Uh, let's head over to the National League now. NL East, Nick, who do you got? NL East. Now, this is an interesting one because the Nationals, they did not win the division last year. And they made the wild card game and they won the championship. A lot of people are jumping on the Nationals train and they think that they're going to win the division. But I don't think they're going to win the division. I think overall this year, the better team is the Braves. Now, the Braves... They have hitters. Now, they have Freddie Freeman. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, they have Freddie Freeman. <coughs> they have Acuna. And I think overall, they're built better for a longer season. I still think the Nationals are going to be good. But I think the Braves, they're just going to take the division again this year. Braves, very good team. They won the division last year, as you said. They have Dansby Swanson over there. They have uh, Ozzy Albies. He's a very good player. Cortland, let's go over to you. Do you agree with Nick? Uh, great minds think alike. Once again, I agree with Nick. Uh, they <laughs> were ninety-seven and something. Saying what teams you're picking or something. <laughs> we're not the about. Astros. Uh-oh. Calm down, Dylan. Uh oh. Um, they went ninety-seven and sixty-five last year. Won the division. You know, you have Freeman, who's just mashing balls off his son, as we see during this quarantine, which is always fun to watch. Acuna, Danby Swanson, one of the smoothest players, uh, especially at the shortstop position in the MLB right now. Uh, Azuna came over. They have Marquecas, I believe, um, Encarte, Ender Encarte, Encarte, uh, who is you know a solid center fielder, just covering the field nicely with uh, out there in Acuna and Azuna. Uh, so I think they just repeat once again and probably get past the uh, wild card this year. Hopefully the Braves can. They had a uh, very tough game five uh, against the Cardinals. You know, I tuned into that game. I was watching on my phone, and I, I see the score. It says 10-1 to 1 in the second inning, and I thought it said 1-0, to 0 and my phone was glitching out, honestly. I mean, I didn't even know what I was watching there. But uh, they had a tough game five performance. Hopefully playoff experience will pay off uh, this year for them if they win the division. Ian, let's go over to you. 
I'm going to go against the grain again. And look, they say New York sports can't win, but it looks like baseball is going to finally start to change that. I have the Mets winning. This is a team that, pending health, can definitely make the jump. They finished third last year with 86 wins. And are the Braves and Nationals great competition? Yeah, but do they have the pieces finally, if everyone can stay healthy, to make a run? Yes. Now, look, they have a first-year manager in Luis Rojas, and if they started the season sooner, it would have been a better chance to get this team on the same page as their young manager. But you got Syndergaard, who, look, Tommy John. You got Cespedes, great veteran. Pete Alonso, the uh, the first-year all-star last year, and then the glue holding this team together, and, and Jacob deGrom, who I have winning uh, a third straight uh, uh, C, uh, Cy Young Award because he's just so good. He's just unstoppable. So I think this team could really come together, and they have all the pieces finally, and uh, they have veterans. they got young guys who just made all-star appearances. They have a superstar pitcher. Uh, what else could you need? I mean, that's a great point, Ian. The Mets are a very good team, and hopefully they uh, they get that injuries uh, worked out. Jeff McNeil, another great player on that team, yes. is, what, 330 every year. They call him the flying squirrel for a reason. I'm going to go with the uh, with the Phillies. You know, they're a very good team. They have Bryce Harper now. They just got to get their pitching, you know, evened out. You know, Aaron Nola is the top of the line ace. They have Jake Arrieta. He had a very, very bad year last year. Hopefully he can rebound this year. They got to get their pitching uh, figured out. They have great hitters. They have Mikel Franco. They have Cesar Hernandez over there. JT Real Muto, top, my number one catcher in the league. Bryce Harper can really... He had a breakout second half last year because he had to readjust in Philadelphia, and then he really got going. But I really think the Phillies can make it a, a very good uh, a season this year, maybe about 95, 96 wins. And with the NL East, you know, it's really a four-team race. People uh, forget the Marlins because they're not going to be around there. But, I mean, it's a very good division. You know, Phillies, uh, Braves, Mets, and Nationals. Nationals could easily win 105 games. They just won the World Series. Yes, they lost uh, Rendon, but... I mean, that's such a good team. They even picked up a few players in free agency. Let's head over to the NL Central, start off with uh, Ian. Uh, I have the Brewers going from second to first this year. Look, you got an MVP candidate every single season and a guy who always is going to hit over 300 in Yelich. And obviously, uh, first team last year and a two-time All-Star. He's really starting at 28 years old to become the guy. And uh, look, they got good pieces. Josh Hader's solid pitcher. You know, Ryan, Ryan Braun is solid as well. Um, but when you have an MVP candidate, you're always in the race. They did great work last year. And uh, I could definitely see them get in that number one spot central this year. And they made the NLCS just two years ago. They can definitely yep. make it back there this year. Cortland, NL Central pick. Uh, I think the uh, Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals, are going to come back again. Uh, they went 91-71 and 71 last year. They took over the Brewers. Dylan, like you said earlier, Earlier, the Brewers, they really have Yelich and no one else in that lineup. Pitching's decent, okay. Yelich is mostly that team's firepower. So I think the Cardinals, again, they're going to come back. I mean, they have Molina behind the plate who will throw anyone that tries to run. Uh, they have uh, De Jong at uh, shortstop second base. I think they're just going to – a nice young team, but with some veterans like Molina, I think they're just going to repeat once again. Nick? All right, I finally don't agree with Cortland. Now this wow. might be a little. Oh, wow. This might be a little skeptical. Uh, I might not get some people on board, but I really, really, really like the Cincinnati Reds in the NL Central. Now, looking at the NL Central and the teams that did the most in the offseason, you got the Brewers. They lost, in my opinion, they lost more talent than they gained. 
The Cubs signed Steven Souza, and that's pretty much it. The Pirates, they didn't really do much. They traded away Starling Marte. I mean, the Cardinals, they didn't really do much in the offseason, too. They have they haven't really made any additions. They traded or they didn't trade, but they let Ozuna walk. But the Reds, they were the only team in that division who significantly significantly improved in the offseason. And I think that the Reds, with Joey Votto being their number one veteran, adding guys like Mike Moustakis, Nick Castellanos, you added a solid pitcher and Pedro Strope to your bullpen. I think with the Reds, they're the most balanced team in that division. I can definitely see the Reds winning the division. And you also have to keep in mind that they're finally getting Trevor Bauer for a full season. He is going to be a free agent, so he will probably elevate his game. They have, I think, in my opinion, they have the best rotation in that division. You have Castillo, really young. He could be a Cy Young breakout guy. You, you have Sonny Gray, who is really, really solid. And you also have Trevor Bauer. You also have Disclafini, who's a solid veteran. I really, really like this Reds team to win the NL Central. And that was a big pickup of Nick Castellanos for the Reds. I mean, he is such a good yeah. hitter. We saw him in that breakout with the Cubs. I mean, he was hitting opposite field home runs almost every day. I saw highlights of those. And another player that broke out for them was Arcidius Aquino, who hit, I believe, like yeah. 16 home runs in 30 games. I mean, it was just crazy. He was on an insane run. For the NL Central, I'm going to go with the Cardinals, like Cortland said. I believe they're just far and away the best team in this division. They have Goldschmidt at first base, top five first base in the league, if not top three amazing outfield uh they did let ozuna walk which i didn't mind i mean the guy really wasn't that good he hits the ball hard but he strikes out so many times his fielding is below par i believe the cardinals he has a winning um experience 13 world series title second at all time they have molina behind the plate as you said they have wainwright starting rotation and they they have flaherty who we'll bring up when we talk about the nl cy young after our division picks but, I mean, I think this team is just com complete. They have to get their bullpen worked out, as they saw when they faced the uh, Nationals in the NLCS when they got swept. But I believe that they could really make a run, and this NL Central really isn't that tough to win. I mean, the Reds very young team, and then the other teams really just can't compete, in my mind, at least. Let's head over to our last one, the sixth division in baseball, the NL West. I believe we all have the same pick for this one, but I'm not going to – hopefully someone changes their answer. I'm going to go with the Dodgers. The NL AL Dodge, the LA Dodgers, apologies, and getting the league and the city messed up. The Dodgers are just far and away the best team, the, really the league. I mean, they have so many rookies. Matt Beatty, Will Smith behind the plate. He was a breakout star. Ballinger, you bring up MVP candidate. Just so many players to name Chris Taylor, Justin Turner, so many hitters in that lineup. And then you look at the starting rotation with Bueller and Kershaw, and they lost Ryu, but Ryu was – he was all right in the first half. He was very good, actually, under two ERA. But then the second half, he just blew up. I mean, everyone figured out his stuff. Bullpen was big for them last year. You know, Kenley Jansen was far their, their closer for the last four or five years, lockdown closer. But then he started to, uh, you know, back off a little bit. His fastball and cutter uh, lost a little miles per hour. They brought in Blake Trinan, who was a very, very good pitcher in 2018 for the A's, Nick. Sinker uh, is amazing. throws 99 miles per hour, and it sinks. This guy really could do very well and come back from a really subpar 2019 season uh, and bring the Dodgers another NL West crown, which I feel is like their fifth or sixth in a row. I mean, there's no competition in that division. Ian? I got to agree with you, Dylan. Look, uh, I'm just going to read off some stats, and I'm hoping somebody <clears throat> Cortland answers it. 
27 years old, a four-time All-Star, and um, named Mookie Betts, adding to the best roster. Another name that I forgot. There's so there much. There we go. You add that kind of talent. And, you know, David Price is old and battled injuries, but not yeah. a nobody. You know, this is a as loaded team, as Dylan mentioned, in baseball. And they already won by 21 games in this division last year. Why would they not make another run this year? I mean, Bellinger, great player. Jock Patterson uh, made the uh, all-star game uh, a few years ago. And then I'm not a big baseball guy, but for years I've always heard a few names. One of them is Clayton Kershaw. So I got to believe that that roster with this kind of talent and pulling off that trade with the Red Sox for really not a lot of the media talent in return, there's no question it's going to be the Dodgers. Amazing town. I didn't want to bring up Mookie Betts just yet because I knew Cortland would maybe even shed a tear. Uh, I mean, Alex Verdugo went back in the Red Sox uh, deal, but David Price is still a very good pitcher. I mean, he can keep that year right under four, and he can give them length for sure. They lost Ryu last year to the uh, the Blue Jays in free agency. Now they bring in David Price. Their rotation and bullpen are going to have a little bit of a shaky um, performance so far earlier in the season, and maybe they gel. Later, maybe David Price, he does a little better in the Dodgers uh, situation where he's not getting criticized by the Red Sox fans every day. Uh, Corey, let's head over to you. Uh, I, yeah, Dodgers, of course. I mean, Mookie Betts, I've been watching him when I watch the Red Sox. He is just a generational talent. He, if Mike Trout wasn't in the league, I think he would be the face of the league right now. Um, he moves over to the NL, so maybe he becomes it. I mean, Mookie Betts, Jock Peterson, Cody Bellinger, name a better outfield in baseball. Um, David Price, it will help their bullpen a lot. I don't think they should use David Price as a starter. Um, we've seen in the past David Price as a starter. He's good. He's not great. He's definitely not the two, worth the $225 million we were paying him. So I'm glad he's gone. I think the Dodgers will use him well, hopefully in the bullpen. Clayton Kershaw, of course, is dominant. Justin Turner is one of the better third basemen in the league. Uh, that team just pounds the ball. Easy choice. And they have Max, Max Muncy over there, and they also have two uh, starting pitching prospects in uh, Dustin May and Tony Gosselin, who came up a little bit later in the year. Nick, who you got? Are you going to stick with uh, the Dodgers? Yeah, I'm not even going to waste any time. You guys you guys said everything. I'm going with the Dodgers. I respect that. <laughs> well, we went through all six divisions. Hopefully we do get baseball this year. And actually, I missed the topic in this show, the NL Cy Young. He and you brought it up. You have DeGrom. Cortland, let's head over to you for your NL Cy Young pick. Uh, I think Madison Bumgarner will bounce back. He moved over from the Giants to the Diamondbacks. He was 99 with a 3.6 ERA last year. Um, I believe two years ago he had his dirt biking injury that left him you know, out of the season, the whole season. It happened a few days before the season even started in the gap between spring training and the real season. But I think he bounces back, back to the old Mad Bum we know, where he's mashing homers on, you know, just out of the park. I think he said somewhere in an interview that he has a, a higher home run conversion than like the top five um, home run hitters in baseball. Uh, he's just going to mash the ball, of course, and I think he's just going to bounce back pitching. Uh, you know, he had a 3.6 ERA, which was good. Uh, he was only 99 last year, but I think the Diamondbacks and he will get much better this year, and I think he will win the NL Cy Young. And it's a new location for him over there in uh, Arizona. He stays in the same division, though, in the NL West. NL West leaves the Giants for the first time in his career, and now he'll start his career with the Diamondbacks. Nick, NL Cy Young, who's your pick? I'm taking Walker Bueller from the Dodgers. Now, Walker Bueller, he's really young. He's 25. 
This is his third season. Now, last year, 3.26 ERA. That's that's pretty solid. That's not really a Cy Young ERA. But, you know, I think this is finally the year that he gets the opening day start. Now, I think that he's going to take the ace spot necessarily from Kershaw, and I think he's just going to roll with it. I think he's going to be their number one starting pitcher. I say he has like a 2.3 ERA. And I think he leads that team in the pitching department. And, yeah, I like Walker Buehler. I mean, he's a great pitcher. He pounds 100 in the zone. I mean, we saw his start in the World Series against the Red Sox, Cortland. The only game that they did win uh, in 18 innings, he won seven innings to shut out ball, just pounding the ball into the catcher's mid. 100, uh, won, 101 Dylan? sometimes. The Red Sox with Mookie Betts, Thank by you. the way. 27. Like, you know. Uh, just, let's just, head over <laughs> to uh, uh, my pick, actually, the NL Cy Young. It's going to be Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals. I believe they win the division, and I believe that Flaherty will be a big role player in that team. Let me give you a stat for you guys. L- listen up. Ian, you could even draw a diagram like last time. Oh, 15 no. Starts, 15 starts from last year in the second half. This is after All-Star break. 15 starts, 11 runs given up. Now, Ian, you might not be a baseball guy, but that is insanely <laughs> good. I mean, okay, you think of a, let me see it. He's bringing up the calculator. <laughs> hold on. Hold on a second. I don't have any sticky notes this time, but 11 divided by 15, that's not even a run a game. That's seven, that's <laughs> 0.7 runs a game. Look at that. There we go. That's right. It's backwards. Wow. There we go. I'm always ready. Sponsorship over to TI-84C. Uh, Texas Intervention. runs uh, per start that he's giving up, going seven, eight innings in that National League. In the NL, that is very tough. Lots of great lineups in that league. The guy's a monster. He can do this over the whole season. He's another guy like Bueller. He's very young. He can just pound. He throws upwards of 97, 98. He has a six slider to go along with it. I think he wins NL Cy Young. Guys, we went through all four sports. Do we have anything else to say? I think that's it. Wild cards for... For the A on the NL. Oh, we wanted to touch on oh, that. Yes. Let's go really quick. Everyone give their yeah. AL wild card, and then we'll go to the NL. Ian, start with you, AL wild card. You know what? Not going to lie. I'm going to throw it right to Nick because Nick is eager to get to this. So, Nick, what about <laughs> you? You wanted, you wanted to touch on it. Let's go right there. I like in the AL, the Twins and the Rays. They're both really good teams. I think that the Rays aren't going to be good enough to win the division, but they're definitely a playoff team. And the Twins, they're really good. I see them regressing a little, and I like – them not winning the division and the White Sox do. For the NL, I like the Nationals as the four seed. And I actually like the Diamondbacks as the five seed. Now, the Mets, in my opinion, aren't going to make the playoffs. I'm I'm too skeptical on the Mets. I mean, they are the Mets. You know, I can't I can't ever really put the Mets in the playoffs until they actually do it. So yeah, those are my wild cards. Always skeptical skeptical about the Mets and their organization. Portland, let's go to you. Uh, in the, uh, NL, I like Washington. Of course, they were the, uh, wild card last year. And of course they won the world series and that, I think we all know that story. Also, I like Cincinnati. I mean, they were third last year in the NL central 75 and 87. Um, you have a lot of guys like Moustak is coming up. Uh, they have, uh, pitching coming back. They have everything coming back. And then in the AL, I have the White Sox. They're a young team. Dylan, you were mentioning them earlier. They're a great team. Just young, got to make a push this year. And Tampa Bay, I think they have Snell pitching, another young team with a lot of experience still. I remember watching them early in the season last year. They were looking great. Um, 
But I think this year, if the season ever comes along, they'll be just as good, if not better. Ian, are you ready to give us your picks? I, yeah, I was always ready. I just wanted to give a little <laughs> bit to Nick. Look, I think uh, Nick and I have the same picks for the AL. I have Rays and Twins, and I do agree with him that even though the Twins were awesome last year, I don't think they're going to be as good this year. As I mentioned, Rays got a star pitcher. Hey, who knows? Uh, let's see how far they can go, and I think they can snag a spot. I got the Nationals uh, in the NL alongside the St. Louis Cardinals. want to touch on the Cardinals a little bit more. They won it last year, uh, and they didn't even hit a 100 wins, but still a very good team with, I believe, 95-96 wins. Uh, and then you got Molina, Carpenter, uh, great pitcher in Kim, and Flaherty. So uh, I think this is a really just good roster, and uh, uh, you know they're going to win the division, and they should secure a spot in some way. So I think I'll check them in at a wild card conversation. And, you know, Tampa Bay is a very good team, guys. You know, we kind of bash them because they're not as good as the Yankees, but they're a very, very good team. The mm-hmm. drop is always a tough place to play. They picked up um, one of the Japanese prospects uh, in free agency. I can't remember his name right yeah, now. Yeah, she's so hard to say. If you can even say it, I mean, it's very tough. It's not like Otani or something like that. Uh, but I like Tampa Bay. You know, it's a very good team. Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now comes back this year. He didn't pitch the whole year, and now he's throwing 99 100 past the Astros in the playoffs. And speaking of the Astros, I have them facing Tampa Bay in the wild card game, though I do believe that Houston will be the number one seed, so the game will be in Houston. But I, these two teams, they had a great playoff series last year going five games. I believe they do it again this year. Austin Meadows is the name to watch out for on Tampa Bay. Uh, lefty uh, hitting right fielder for the Rays. National League, I'm going to go over Nationals, of course. Win the World Series. you got to make the playoffs after you win the World Series. Boston doesn't know about that. But Washington will make the world make the wild card game, actually. And, uh, you know, they picked up uh, Eric Thames. They still have a very good starting rotation, Scherzer, and they got back Strasburg, and now, and they have Corbin as well. Uh, bullpen, they're going to have to figure it out, but their lineup's still very deep. Howie Kendrick got re-signed, and to face them, I believe, will also be the Cincinnati Reds. We've been giving them an absolute love fest in this episode, and I believe that they will make that second seed wild card um, for them. So, guys, we give their our division picks, we give our wild card picks, we talk about the other three sports, and hopefully that the NBA and NHL will resume. NFL, will, we will have the draft on April 20th, Ian, according to Roger Goodell. According so, to the league, yep. So next episode, I believe, we'll do a mostly all-draft episode talking about our favorite prospects, maybe give a top 10 mock draft uh, from each of us. Thank you to Nick from Big End Gaming for coming and joining us for our episode six. This has, hey, been, Dylan, this has been Dylan Pescator. I've been with Cortland Parrott, Ian, and Nick. This has been Beyond the Whistle, episode six. Thank you, guys.